Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. It's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. We'll grab a Bible this morning if you got one handy and go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be today. Uh, if you need to borrow a Bible, you don't have one you can power up or open up, uh, grab one that looks like this around you and get it in front of you. You can go to page 705 in those. 
705 is where you'll find Luke 8. And go ahead and uh, either borrow that for the day if you need to or keep it for good. If you, uh, if you don't have a Bible and a translation that you can understand or you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to give that to you. It's our gift. So uh, page 705 in those, Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be. And as you're turning there, let me say again, I know you've heard it already once today, but happy Mother's Day to all of you that are moms or grandmoms or if you're with a mom or you know a mom, uh, happy, happy Mother's Day to you. And in fact, uh, I just want to take a moment, if you're a grandmother or you're a mother, and let all of us tell you how grateful we are for you. So would you join me in honoring moms and grandmas that are around? Yeah. You know, uh, Mother's Day is one of those days that for a lot of us, it's really easy to celebrate. Uh, It's easy to honor mom or grandma, uh, whether we're with them or not with them. That's certainly my case. Um, I grew up with the influence of two really, really extraordinary grandmothers who loved the Lord, uh, who lived long lives. They finished well. They're in heaven today, but they pointed me towards Jesus. And I get to live in the fingerprints of their legacy just almost every single day. I notice something about those grandmothers uh, that I love very much. Uh, I have an extraordinary mom. She lived uh, my whole life like Jesus in front of me and actually got to be present with me when I crossed the line of faith, when I trusted Jesus. Just an incredible privilege uh, for her as a mom, but for me as a kid to get to uh, see that and understand that because of my mom. And so I'm grateful for her. Um, I hit the mother-in-law jackpot and that's a good thing. Um, I know everybody doesn't have that story. I've got that story. And the reason I hit the mother-in-law jackpot is because I married a woman who is really honestly, truly, and I'm sorry to say this to you on Mother's Day, but she is the greatest mom on the face of the earth. And I really don't think I'm exaggerating. She is really, really extraordinary. And so it's easy for me to celebrate. It's easy for me to honor moms uh, and to come to a day like this with just gratitude and celebration in my heart. Uh, And some of you, you're you're in a similar boat uh, to me. There are some of us for whom Mother's Day, it's a little more difficult to to celebrate. There's some celebration maybe there, but it gets mixed up with other stuff. And for some of you, uh, it's really hard because Mother's Day is one of those days where uh, it's like a just just in-your-face reminder of loss or hard stuff or grief or regret or broken pieces that are uh, just stuff that you're dealing with in in your life. And uh, endurance is kind of the word for you when it comes to this, as much as celebrating when it comes to Mother's Day. And in fact, there are are some of you that are here today, uh, some of you that are joining us online for whom it took some extraordinary courage uh, for you to be here or or even to be there today. And we want to honor you. We are really, really grateful that you would have that kind of courage and, and show up to worship with us. And, uh, you know, that, that idea that just we go across the, the whole spectrum of emotions and even in this room, when it comes to something like Mother's Day, makes it a, a little bit of a unique challenge to open up God's word for us together. Um, not because God doesn't have something unique to say to every single one of us. He certainly does. Uh, but to, to do all of that in the same place at the same time, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and to grieve with those who are grieving all at the same time is a little bit of a unique challenge. Um, And yet, that's what we want to do. That's what all of us want to do while we're here. Uh, No Christ follower, even in their suffering, would want their suffering to crowd out the celebration of the people that they're sitting around. That's nobody's heart in a place like this. And it's also true that none of us, no pastor, no person in this room, uh, would want to be callous to the brokenness or the grief or the struggle of some of the people sitting around us just because it's not our brokenness or our grief or our struggle. 
And so uh, what we want to do is trust in the kindness and the goodness of God that he's going to meet every single one of us here today in the place that we're at because he's the kind of God that does that. And uh, that's what we're going to trust for him uh, to do in us this morning and all of us this morning. So you're in Luke chapter 8. We're starting a new series this morning called The Secret to Soaring. And uh, this morning, I want to look at the stories of some women in the Gospel of Luke uh, who lived out the heart of this series and everything we're going to talk about in this series uh, in a really incredible way. And one of the women that we're going to talk about today was clearly a mom. At the end of the story, it tells us she was a mom. So it's fitting that we would tell her story uh, on a day like this on Mother's Day. Uh, One of the women in the story is almost certainly not a mom in the telling of this story and probably not even a wife at the telling of this story. So if you've come to this morning, you come to this moment and you're not a mom uh, and you're not a wife, stay tuned, you're still in the game, okay? And even if you're not a woman, there's some pretty strong evidence, and we'll look at it in a couple of minutes, that all throughout the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells these women's stories. He positions them in the story in such a way to hold them up and to say to all Christ followers, these women are the prototype for what it looks like to follow Jesus. So I want to show you their stories today. Here in Luke 8, in fact, he tells us pretty explicitly that these women we're going to look at are going to be the ones who provide the lift to Jesus and the 12 disciples that followed him around in such a way that they never would have become the game changers that they did from a human standpoint if it wasn't for the presence of these women in their life. And really, that's what the secret to soaring is all about. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of watching an eagle soar through the sky If you've ever had a a privilege of watching an airplane with no engine glide through the mountains, and it just, if you've ever watched that, you've ever seen it, it just feels so effortless, doesn't it? And they're they're not flapping, they're not straining, they're not struggling, they're just soaring. And it feels like they could stay up there forever. It's majestic and powerful to watch an eagle soar through the sky or to watch a plane glide with no engine, to feel like it could happen forever. If you really ever thought much about the secret to soaring, you know there is a secret to soaring. That there's this powerful, powerful force underneath the eagle that soars, underneath the glider that soars through the sky that is really the secret to allowing it to stay in the air so that it doesn't have to struggle and it doesn't have to strain as it soars all the way along. It's thermal energy that provides the lift so that an eagle or an airplane can, can soar. It's what makes the soaring possible. And I'll tell you, if you pay attention to your story, I know if I pay attention to my story, you'll find that the same principle applies to your story and to my story. When you look at the scripture, the same principle applies to the people in scripture. But it's not a force, it's not an energy, it's people who come alongside other people and provide lift to their life that makes the soaring possible. It's true in my life, it's true in your story, your life as well. That's what you find in Luke chapter 8. In fact, if you've been around doxology for the last several months, you know right before Easter, we did a whole series called Game Changers, where we looked at the 12 men that Jesus chooses and uses as a part of his mission to change the world for the better. But you can't read the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, and imagine that Jesus' ministry on earth was just kind of an all-guys club. There was like the Little Rascals. Remember the Little Rascals, the He-Man Woman Haters Club? That's not what Jesus' life and ministry on earth was all about. And in fact, as Luke tells us the story of Jesus' life and ministry on the earth, there's a group of women that are present throughout the whole story. 
In fact, several times Luke tells us a story about them, the women that were a part of this group of disciples that followed Jesus around, immediately preceding or immediately following a story about the 12 disciples. And he tells it in such a way that he shows us that these women are believing, these women are living, these women are doing the exact thing that the 12 game changers should have been living or believing or doing all along the way. What Luke shows us all throughout his gospel is that these women that we're going to meet today were like the prototypical disciples that the disciples needed to follow wherever they went. In fact, what Luke shows us from a human standpoint, this story of these women is not just a story about women, not just a story about moms. He wants all of us to imitate wherever we go. Look with me at Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 8 beginning in verse 1. Luke's telling the story, and he says this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were, notice these words, helping to support them out of their own means. We'll come back to this a little bit later, but notice what Luke says. These women were helping to support Jesus and the 12 disciples out of their own means. That word support, it's not just a financial word. It is a financial word, but it's not just a financial word. It's a much broader word than that. In fact, it's the word from which we get our English word, deacon, deacon. And all throughout the Bible, this word shows up a lot. And it's not just a word that shows up to talk about a particular office that a few select people would hold. It's about something that the Bible expects that every single one of us would do. And the women that Luke introduces us to in Luke chapter 8 are the prototypes for all of it. Here's, here's the way you can think about deacons. Uh, A person who deacons is the kind of person that's a self-professed somebody. That's the way the Bible talks about it. So if you ever had an experience where you're walking around and and you see something in front of you and you or the people around you think, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. The person that's deaconing is the kind of person that says, somebody ought to do something about that. And gosh, thank goodness I'm somebody. I can do it. Maybe I'm placed here to meet that Need. You can think about uh, this kind of person uh, another way. You can think about them like load-bearing walls. You know, load-bearing walls, all of us have them. All of us have them in our house. And they look just the same as all the other walls in your house. They're perfectly happy looking the same as all of the other walls in your house. They don't need a certain label. They don't need a certain status. They don't need a certain kind of name tag. They're happy looking like all of the other walls, but they carry extra weight. They provide lift to the structure support. Luke says, that's what these women were for the disciples, the other disciples. And from a human standpoint, that's what these women were for the ministry of Jesus. The secret to their soaring. That's a pretty big claim, isn't it? Luke's saying something pretty incredible there. Uh, If it's not for these women, the ministry of the twelve... And the earthly ministry of Jesus would have been infinitely more difficult, if not impossible. So just stop and think for a second. I mean, what kind of women were these? Well, the answer, and we're going to see it, is they're incredible women. 
and they're incredibly normal women. Look back at the list, beginning in verse 2. The first one that's named is a woman named Mary. Calls her Mary and says she's also known as Magdalene. Refers probably from the place that she was from. And Luke tells us something about Mary's past other than just her name. He says Mary, the one called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. So he just kind of puts it right out there for us, doesn't he? This is a woman who had a past and he doesn't want us to miss who she'd been. Mary Magdalene is a woman with a past. It's the first kind of woman that you see in the story. Tradition tells us that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Interesting, the Bible doesn't tell us that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. It's something that history has assumed about her. We don't know a ton about her past, except that she had a past. It tells us that she'd lived a life of spiritual captivity, that she'd been totally under the control of the forces of evil. And we don't know exactly how that showed up in her life, but you can only imagine the carnage that it left in her story. And I love the fact that she's listed here, and I love the fact that she's listed first. In fact, every time Luke lists the names of the women that follow Jesus and are eyewitnesses to his ministry, Mary Magdalene is always listed, and she's always listed first. She seems to have been sort of their ringleader, which is important for some of you to hear today. Because you've got a past too. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the story is. I don't know what the background is. I don't know what the details are. You may have some carnage in your wake, like Mary Magdalene had undoubtedly in hers. But you'd be hard-pressed to make the case that whatever it is that you have in your wake outranks the list when it comes to the list of things that can disqualify you from being a part of God's purpose, from what it is that Mary Magdalene had at a part of her story. Not only is Mary Magdalene allowed to hang out with the people that follow Jesus around on the fringes or as part of the crowd, she seems to have been the leader of the group that Luke says provided lift to the movement that Jesus was leading. That's important for some of you to hear. Listen, don't let your past tell the story of your future. And don't disqualify yourself from something that God may have designed you to be a part of simply because you're like Mary Magdalene. You have a past in your past. Second person on the list, though, is on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a woman named Joanna. Luke tells us she was the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. So Joanna was a woman with a position. A woman with a position. The manager of Herod's household was the person that Herod had trusted all of his most valuable personal assets so that he could focus on running the kingdom. If you just think about that kind of person, if you were to have that kind of person, that's the kind of person you're going to take care of, isn't it? You're going to make sure they have everything they need and most of the things that they want because they're taking care of your most prized possessions, which means that Joanna would undoubtedly have been a person with money. But not just money, she would have been a person with connections, with relational equity, with influence in most of the circles that she ever found herself walking into. That's some of us this morning too, isn't it? And some of you, you find yourself with some financial margin, more security 
than other people. You don't think of yourself as rich, in part because your riches gain you access into circles where there are people that are richer than you. But you realize that you don't have to worry about money in the same kind of way that some other people have to worry about money. And even if it's not that, you know that you've got connections other people don't have, friends that other people don't have, networks other people don't have. You don't feel like you're rich, but you got position. And you know the pull of busyness that comes with that, don't you? You know all of the opportunities and invitations and events and pressures that come with that kind of a position. There's a gravitational pull to a lifestyle. We'll talk more about it in a minute, but notice this about Joanna. There's no indication that Joanna removed herself from that position at any point while she was following Jesus. But there's every indication that she saw it in perspective to the point that she was willing to place herself in a position of support to provide lift to a homeless Jewish carpenter and his band of rugged, ragtag group of men and women that followed him around everywhere he went. She saw it in perspective, though she was a woman with a position. Then there's another woman that Luke names, a woman named Susanna. Here's what I love about Susanna. She's only named by Luke, and she's only named right here. These other two women, they're going to show up later on in the story. We'll see it in a, in a little while. This is the only time we read Susanna's name. We don't know anything about her. But Luke thought some of his readers would. So here's the only thing we can say about Susanna. Susanna is a woman who was present. Susanna was a woman who was present. And that may sound just a little bit pejorative. I really don't mean it that way. She was present. She participated in all of it. The point that Luke named her. She was a witness to everything that happened, everything that Jesus did. She was a full participant in it. She provided lift, just like the others who were named, even though she's completely unknown to history. That's why I think that's awesome. Some of you that showed up this morning, that's what you feel like you've got right now. You're present. Some of you moms, moms of young children, moms with jobs, single moms, others of us too, but gosh, it's like present is the best I've got to offer right now. I can keep showing up. Some of you have your hands full. You got your hands full at work. You got your hands full at home. You got your hands full with other responsibilities. You got your hands full with life. There's no reason that your full hands can't be open hands. The place that God's placed you to be present, wherever it is, whatever it looks like. And here's the thing with Susanna. She isn't known to us, but Luke believes she's known to somebody. And you are too. Someone was going to need to know that Susanna was there so that they could ask her what she'd seen or experienced or heard. And someone needed to know that Susanna had been there so that when they need to look to someone about a story that wasn't fully written yet, she'd be the someone they could look to. A story that she was a part of that full significance of which she couldn't possibly understand. That's precisely where some of you are living this morning. 
when you may not be a leader of anything. Your name may not be known by everyone, but you're someone to someone. God's placed you present near someone who is looking to you as a person who will show up and represent Jesus and provide lift to their life with open hands, even if they're full hands. Listen, don't dismiss that. Don't write that off. It is never an insignificant thing to be present when you're placed present by the God Almighty who places people on purpose with purpose. Susanna's a woman who's present. How do you do that? How do you do any of this? Whether you find yourself related to Mary Magdalene, woman with a past, find yourself related to, to Joanna, a woman with a position, or to Susanna, the very best you've got to offer to be present. How do you pull this off? Well, look back at this story. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. I want to show you four commitments that these women make together, what they all three had in common, and then I want to fast forward the story and show you one more at the very end of the story. Okay, look back at Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. It says, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the, understand this, good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and some women. Okay, the first thing that all of these women had in common, that every single one of us can do, that every single one of us have to do if we're going to stay right side up in a world like this and be the kind of people that provide lift to the lives of the people placed around us is that these women listen to the good news of the kingdom of God on repeat. They listen to the good news of the kingdom of God on repeat. You see that in the story? What's the good news of the kingdom of God? Well, if you look throughout the Gospels and look throughout the New Testament, or really if you look throughout the Old Testament too, there's this thread that reminds us that God is in control of everything. When you get to the New Testament, you understand the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, it's that our rescuer has come and that our ultimate rescue is underway, that you can have hope today in the present tense. A theme that says God is for us. He's not finished with us. We're not finished products. But by his grace, someday we will be. This is not as good as it gets for us. It's not as good as it gets for the world where we live. For those of us who are in Christ, it means that our very best days are always still in the windshield. Whatever happens today, Jesus has this. It's the good news peppered throughout the scriptures of the kingdom of God. You got to hear that over and over and over in your life. And I do too. These women, do you see it? They heard Jesus preach this in village after village after village, in town after town after town, day after day after day. And I don't know about you, but I need a pretty consistent diet of this message in my life as well especially if I'm going to stay right side up in a world that looks like this one. And you do too. You understand the message of Jesus is not just a message that you hear and understand and trust when you're a really young kid, get you out of hell when you die, and then you get over and live the rest of your life trying to keep God happy. That's not the message that the scriptures introduce us to. It's a message that you and I have to hear on repeat and understand more deeply, trust more fully every single day of our life, not so that we can go to heaven when we die, 
but so we can live abundantly while we live. That's why, like I said last week, it's a really great discipline for us to be people who who just practice every single day, read a chapter at least of one of the Gospels every single day. Not as some obligatory religious ritual that you've got to do, but so that we're never more than 24 hours from hearing this good news that you and I have to hear on repeat if we're going to stay right side up ourselves and provide the kind of lift that other people need. Second thing about these women, look back at the passage, verse 1. Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news, the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. They were with him. And also some women. Second thing that these women did is they lived life with Jesus. They make a commitment to live life with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus wasn't just something they did in addition to everything else they did. It was foundational to everything else that they did. It wasn't just a deal where they showed up with Jesus once a week or every once in a while when it was convenient for them and their schedules synced up or they remembered him when they remembered him right before a meal. It wasn't that kind of thing. They lived life with Jesus. Constant fellowship, constant communication. Everywhere they went, whatever they did, they lived life with Jesus, all of it. The third thing they did was they chose gratitude. They chose gratitude. Look at verse 2. It says the 12 were with him. And also, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. You notice these women, they don't have a whole lot of stuff in common. That's the thing that they've all got in common. All three of them had found hope and wholeness and forgiveness and restoration and life in the person of Jesus, and they never, ever got over it. Their past, it didn't haunt them. It didn't limit them. It was part of their story. But it was only the first part of their story. They never stopped tying their present life to the thing Jesus had done in their past. Why? Because they were grateful. That's important for us, too. It's easy to find ourselves consumed. I don't know about you. It's easy for me to find myself consumed with all of the things that God hasn't done yet in me and in the world around me. For those of us that are in Christ, we can't ever let the things that God hasn't done yet take away our gratitude for the things he's already accomplished in us and for us. Taking us from death to life, from captivity to freedom, from enemies of God to children of God. That transformation has to mark our stories in such a way that we've got no choice but to be grateful. Well, that was grace and our gratitude to overflow out of us wherever we are. In fact, that's the fourth thing that you see. It's a part of verse 3. It says, these women were helping to support them out of their own means. The last thing they chose in in this passage, they chose to give generously. They chose to give generously. And again, that's not just a money verse. It's not less than a money verse, but it's not just a money verse. The idea is that each one of these women chose to provide lift to others around them out of whatever they had. That may have been money. For Joanna, it probably was money. For Mary Magdalene, it might not have been It could have been influence, could have been connections, it could have been expertise, 
Could have been some kind of service, help of any kind. You get the picture of these women looking around everywhere they go saying, what needs to be done? What do I have that can get it done? And then offering it freely, whatever it is. They were providing support, load-bearing walls, everywhere they went. And you notice that it says that they did it out of their own means. It's emphatic there, the way that that's worded, out of their own means. You know what it's saying? Joanna wasn't the standard for Mary Magdalene's generosity. Mary Magdalene wasn't the standard for Susanna's generosity. The person sitting next to you is not the standard for your generosity. What these women had in common was not the amount of their provision. It was the posture which with they offered it. All three of them chose to be generous with whatever they had to give. Can I show you one other thing about these women? As we pick up their story at the very end of the story, flip over to Luke chapter 24, page 722 in the Bibles that look like this one. Uh, if you want to head start there, Luke chapter 24. Let me set the story for you. Uh, Jesus has gone to the cross at this point. All of the men disciples deserted Jesus. The women did not. They were present at the foot of the cross as Jesus died. And then three days later, So when we pick up the story, Luke tells us that the women went to the tomb with some spices to anoint the body of Jesus, but they didn't find the body. Instead, they found two angels who said, he's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee. And Luke says in verse 8, then they remembered his words. Keep reading verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven. And all of the others. Look who it was. It was Mary Magdalene. That's a familiar name. Joanna. And now it's not Susanna. It's another woman, a mother. Mary, the mother of James. And the others with them who told this to the apostles. You notice it's the women that tell it to the apostles? The women were just bystanders in the story of Jesus. Invisible, whose only responsibility is to show up, shut up, and pay up. They were the very first proclaimers and explainers of the resurrection. They were the ones who first helped the 11 remember everything Jesus had told them not to forget. Connecting the dots, proclaiming the news, and explaining what it meant to them. You and I, we get to participate in the message of resurrection Because when it was time for these women to speak up, they spoke up to proclaim and explain the message to people who were present in their life. It's part of the responsibility of every single disciple, not just a couple of professionals. And Luke makes sure that we know it was these followers of Jesus who proclaimed it and explained it first. It doesn't have to be in a formal way. Theirs wasn't. You don't have to have a role. They didn't. They didn't need a role. They had a message. They carried it with them in the course of a relationship they had with the people they were near. That's a privilege for every single disciple, proclaiming and explaining, connecting the dots between the story of Jesus, the story of our life, the intersection of the places where those stories intersect the lives and the stories of other people. I don't know which of these women you find yourself relating the most to coming into a day like this. Whatever it is, I hope you see through their example and invitation. Also a reminder to you that God can use your life for something significant. 
to provide the lift, the support to people around you by pouring out your life in a way that points them towards life that's truly life. I can't think of a better example of that than a whole bunch of the moms and grandmas, great-grandmas that are sitting around here today. But it's not just them. It's an invitation for all of us. It's a reminder for every single one of us to come back to the message of Jesus over and over and over because it's good news. It's our only hope. To walk out life with him. What an extraordinary privilege we've got. Step after step. To walk with a God who loves us, pursued us, empowers us, and goes with us wherever we go. To remember what he's done and live full lives with open hands. And to connect the dots to who he is, proclaiming it, explaining it. The hope of resurrection to every person that he puts in our path. It's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? It's possible that we've come to this moment this morning and you've never had someone proclaim and explain the message of Jesus to you. You thought you were showing up today because mom told you you had to or because grandma said it sure would be nice and you knew there was lunch in it afterwards for you. Whatever reason you come to this moment, you've never had somebody proclaim who Jesus is and why he's come. You thought you knew, but it turns out you didn't know. Jesus came to the earth to live a perfect life that God created you to live and you didn't. But rather than condemn you, he came to rescue you to pay the penalty for you, to die on a cross suspended between heaven and earth as a traitor like you were before God. And he went into a grave, and he paid for your sin, and then he walked out of the grave without it. And he offers you hope and forgiveness and life and grace and mercy and purpose eternally as a gift that costs you nothing because he's already paid for all of it. And if you've never put your trust in him, that's all he invites you to do to receive the gift. You can do it right where you sit. It's as simple as in the privacy of your heart, right where you sit saying, God, I never understood this. I thought Jesus came to start a religion or to teach us a bunch of rules, but I believe he came to rescue me, to die on a cross, to rise from the dead, to give me everlasting life as a gift. And if I can be right with you, Through him, I'll trust him. Father, for people that are trusting you in the very, these moments right now, for the very first time, I pray, Lord, that you would give them courage to tell somebody, maybe somebody that brought them, somebody in the Next Step Center, and tell mom, tell grandma. In some cases, uh, Lord, we know that there are moms and grandmas who have been praying and praying and praying for decades for this moment. What a celebration this Mother's Day could be for them. Lord, give them courage. Lord, reassure them of what's true and who you are. And we thank you for the extraordinary gift that you've given to them. Lord, we also know on a day like this, it's easy for a whole lot of us to come to a moment and realize we've trusted you as Savior But it's been a really, really long time since we came back to the message and remember the good news. And I pray, Lord, with every step we take from this place that we would walk with you, 
You wouldn't just be something that we celebrate every once in a while when we get around to it. We would walk every step with you every day, that we would choose to live out of gratitude and thankfulness for what you've done, and we would be people who proclaim and explain the message of Jesus everywhere we go, wherever we're placed. Thank you for the hope, Lord, that some of us with pasts can embrace a forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord, for the the privilege that some of us have of having positions that you've blessed us to be a blessing. What a privilege it is for us to get to live into that. And for some of us, Lord, who are just hanging on to be present, would you remind us, Lord, that you are present with us and in us and for us and through us every step of the way. And that you've got a purpose for our life wherever we're placed. Would you let us live it with you for your name's sake? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.